you know, the, you know, the drill, I'll go through all the things, introduce you, and then we'll kind of just jump into it. Okay, great. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. Let's mute the things and play the new song. I think the new song is queued up. All right, let's do it. Welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 104. For those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you would subscribe. And as always, you can reach out to me on all the socials at flores.run. Today, you are in for a treat. Uh, We have a returning guest to the show. Laura's been on the show a few times. Uh, I had to go back and look at the previous episodes to see what numbers they were. Uh, But episode 29, (laughs) so early on, and then episode 77. Uh, She has an amazing story that's actually led uh, to an upcoming book. And we'll kind of, we'll get into that in a little bit and kind of that, that story and journey for those that didn't listen to those previous episodes, probably touch a little bit of that, but definitely go back and listen uh, because there may be some gaps. Uh, But thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, I've actually talked to you on podcast interviews more than any other person. Yes. Winning. <laughs> I will yeah, you that. win. <laughs> and if you book another one, time. tell me, tell me and we'll get you on again <laughs> so we can make it. I need to always be yeah, on Yeah, you have to always be number one. <laughs> I Looking like a true it. marathoner. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so before we kind of get started, uh, this is something I've been doing relatively new, but if you can just like plug your socials, plug how people can get in touch with you up front so they can kind of see who you are and not waiting until the end of the episode. Oh, that makes sense. Um, so I'm my father's list on Instagram. My website now is bylaracarney.com. We just thought that's better because I'm an author. So I have my quote unquote author, have my author's name. Um, and what else? That's about it. Really. Um, you can pre-order my book from bylaracarney.com. Perfect. And we'll have all those things linked in the show notes. You don't have to be writing them down if you're running or driving while you're listening to this. But yes, Laura, please. How, how have you been? It's been a little while since we've chatted, at least been a while. in this way. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, um, since finishing my dad's bucket list, a project I've been doing for about five years, 11 months, exactly. I'm a little tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little mellowed out. Um, I don't have this like driving thing happening every day, which is a little weird after five years or so that you don't have that thing anymore. Um, I'm good. I'm, I'm very busy. You know, I kind of orchestrated it somehow that the list would end one week and my book about the list would end the week after. Mm-hmm. I'm still not totally sure how that came together, but that's how it was. So I'm kind of still working because I'm still working on parts of the book, but I feel very fulfilled. I guess that's the best answer to your question. I love, love to hear that. Cause I think your, your journey in of itself is just uh, an exciting kind of thing to live through. Like us being close and talking for these last few years, really uh, from the first time that we met and kind of just me following along that journey, I think has been just an exciting thing from the outside looking in. Like I've already pre-ordered your book. I'm ready for it uh, Aww, to, to, to go through this process of like seeing it all kind of come. But what does that, how does that, that feel like with this journey? I'm not saying the journey's over, but you almost get to this point where like you've, you've gotten through the list, you're working on the book. It's like the journey is, is coming up to 
not an end, but to maybe a new chapter? How does that like, how do you go from that? Um, it's a good question. I'm sort of figuring out as I go along. Uh, you know, one one thing I've been noticing a lot recently actually is I have people, you know, people who mean very well keep asking me, what's next? What are you doing next? As though like I have that mapped out, yeah. as though I have that plan. And I just keep saying, I don't know. <laughs> you know like, um, because the reality of the situation is just this has taken so much out of me. Um, it's such a like once in a lifetime kind of thing to be doing that I need to rest. You know, I mean, there's value in resting. And I mean, I think it, more than anything else, when people are asking me what's next, it, it speaks to, I guess, sort of the lifestyle we're all living in, right? Which is just like, we're always thinking about what the next thing is after we're done with something. And I, you know, that's one thing this has really taught me, you know, of the multitude of things this has taught me enough to put into a book, um, which is that you don't have to always have a thing that's next. I mean, it's, there's value, I think, in resting. There's value in taking some time out. And I mean, the thing I'm really looking forward to right now is I have about like 10 books that I want to read. And as nerdy as this sounds, I've spent the last five and a half years reading for this list because each list item required research, you know, and then writing about it required research. So this is going to be just me chilling. <laughs> I guess sort of what I'm, that's, I mean, that's how it feels just almost like the normal human reaction of what are you doing now? And me just kind of feeling like, I, you know, I don't, I don't have to answer that. It's okay. Yeah. And I think, and that's why I wanted to phrase it in that way, because obviously, you know, my running journey and everything that I'm doing, it's yeah. the same thing. And people are like, Oh, what are you gonna do after you do this? Are they? Okay. And you're like, but that's not, that's not the point. And it's, it's reframing it in a way of like what this journey has entailed and kind of what the, the moving from this journey, this current journey, what that means in like the next chapter of it. Like Kayla and I, we've been in Minnesota for a year and a half now. And in September, we're moving. We literally have no idea where I'll be actually oh, cool. close to your neck of the woods ish. We'll finishing up, hopefully finishing up the 50 States in, in new England. And then after that, we don't know, we literally don't know what's next. And it's kind of nerve wracking and you kind of sit in that just like a little bit of unknown. But I think this, this concept that a lot of people do hit hard on is like, what's next? Like you have to have something else, like almost like this is just another checklist item. You're like, no, this, this thing like changed my life in a way. And because of that, the same thing when we think about maybe like 2020 and the pandemic and everything that's kind of gone on since then of, all right, what's, what's now normal or what's a new normal. Everyone's always trying to get to this, like, okay, what's the next thing? And it's like, well, let's sit in the thing we're in now because we need to sit in this and really understand it before we can move forward. Yeah. I mean, I guess it bodes well though for the book and everything, because I think sometimes when people are asking me this, it's sort of like, we're just used to seeing you go on these adventures. <laughs> what's, what's your next adventure? And it's like, I'm tired, man. <laughs> what do you, are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I'm really, really grateful. These people have, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful they've been following along and that maybe I've been affecting their lives. That's really cool. You know? And, and I mean, honestly, I have my own bucket list. I started about halfway through and I've been sort of quietly checking that off. So yes, of course it has changed my life and that I am going to continue to go on adventures, but yeah, I don't have anything concrete. I have another book I'm thinking about doing that's sort of based on this one, just about like amazing women who kind of were trailblazers. Um, but yeah, right now my whole, all of my energy is going to go into promoting the book. Yeah. I'm sure. What, how many races do you have left? You're on 42, right? 
Uh, 43. I just looked at my Instagram bio yesterday and realized I didn't have the, I didn't update it. So I only have seven left. So we've got in a month, I'll be doing, uh, uh, the first week of February, I'll be doing Arizona. I'll be in Phoenix. And then I've got Boston in April uh, after having postponed that from 2020. And then, yeah, we're finishing, we're finishing in New England. I'm doing back-to-backs in New Hampshire, Maine, and then a weekend, weekend in between and then Vermont. Um, and that'll be, that'll hopefully, you know, if everything goes well throughout the year, we'll, we'll kind of wrap everything up, which is just a crazy, like crazy, just culmination of like events. And like the, the weirdest thing about all of it is like, so I don't know, I think I shared a little bit about it on social media, but not a lot, but about our, our dog passing. I saw that. that. I'm so sorry yeah, to hear yeah. that. And, uh, yeah, for those of listen listened to, to your episode, podcast, yeah. <laughs> episode one on one one, where it's just me bawling for like ten minutes. No, it was great. I loved it. Uh, but it's it's um, so my wife's and I's wedding anniversary is on the fifteenth of October, and Bella passed on the sixteenth. And I'm actually finishing yeah. if, if again things go well, legs stay healthy. I'll be finishing on October fifteenth on our wedding anniversary. What? Um, yeah. So and then it'll be the day before Bella. So because we were doing some things where like, Hey, do we like change the races up? Do we figure out a way to make this? And I go, no, like that's Bella's day. Like, so we don't do anything like that's how that separates, but it's, it's just an interesting, um, part of it. I know these next few races are going to be tough since she was at most of the races and that sort of thing. But, uh, but yeah, it's this, this idea of we, we get so focused on the journey and the, and the process of it that people kind of are used to that. Right. Like they're like, okay, what's the next thing you're doing or how are you going to top yeah. this thing that you did? Yeah, I'm sure it's set out of politeness, yeah. you know, and just interest, but it's sort of like when you're on the receiving end and it's been like, like this was literally my dad's life goals and there were 54 of them and I did all of them. <laughs> so it's like, it was a lot. <laughs> so, in, in less you know, than to six hear years. that sort of like, yeah, it's like, it's, what, what'd you say? I said in less than six years. Yeah. And it's like, oh, not enough for you. <laughs> and it's sort of how it feels. <laughs> you know, you have to laugh. Um, but no, I think that's really cool that you're you're kind of finishing your mission in New England. So it's, you're sort of doing it where America was born, right? Yeah. Kind of going, going where the country to started is where you'll, where you'll end. Yeah. yeah. Boston will be fun. Congrats for, uh, you know, getting accepted into that. I know that's hard. Yeah. It was, I, I will say, I always, I tell my running friends, I'm like, I'm a fake Boston marathoner because I'm doing the charity aspect, but I'm like, we're raising money for a good cause with Boston Medical Center. So, um, but yeah, it's been, I think that'll be kind of the race that will kind of set the tone for all of this. And I think just the 50 states in general, it's super cool. Cause I have my buddies that I ran, um, Disney with last weekend. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both going to run number 50 with me. And Chad, my one buddy, actually ran my first state with me as well. It was the second time I had done one in Ohio, but it was still the first state. So he'll technically have run state one and state 50 with me. And we've, he's done a couple along the way as well. So it's interesting how you go along this journey and with this, then you end up meeting new people. Can you like, tell me some instances on like your end of thing of like, hey, because of this journey that I was on, I met this person or I got connected with this person that's actually turned into either getting more list items done or even just something larger. If there's anything that's off the top of your head. Um, I mean, I've met amazing people every step of the way. And it's, it's funny you asked that because just the other day um, I was, I was hanging out over the weekend. I was having like my Christmas with my brother 
And he and uh, my husband and my sister-in-law were sort of, you know, you know, they were joking around about how, you know, when you leave to go to work in the morning, maybe you don't want to talk to the neighbor, you know, (laughs) or like (laughs) that person who's on the train, like, oh, I don't know if I have the energy for that conversation today. And I was sitting there listening to this and, and to be fair, like last week was a crazy week for me book wise and I was finishing all my edits. So I was quite sleep deprived over the weekend. So they had that to deal with. Um, But I sat there and I kind of blankly looked at everyone and I was like, I just realized I really have, cannot relate whatsoever to what you're saying. (laughs) And And it's not because I'm this person who just loves talking to everybody. It's because I had to become that person to do my project. Um, it got to a point where I recognized I should be open to talking to the person on the train because what if, you know, they know how I'm going to do this particular list item. And I am really grateful that that ended up happening to me because that's definitely not who I was before. I was very, would very much be reserved. Um, and that's how my dad was. So I got to walk in his shoes in that way. Um, and you know, as you know, obviously every person I've met doing this has been amazing Uh, and not, you know, you know, that, that doesn't like disclude all these amazing podcasts. I've been on yours three times now. Um, and one really cool thing that I didn't, I couldn't have foreseen is a lot of the people I've met are doing similar missions. Mm. Um, you know, like yours, uh, like my friend, Mary Latham, who's her mission's called more good. Her mother died of cancer and she started staying in strangers homes in all 50 States. Oh, wow to prove that there's more good in the world and like collecting stories of kindness. And she's putting them in a book for hospital waiting rooms. Um, you know, um, like I just met a guy in St. Louis who has been having a baseball catch with a stranger every day this year to honor his son, who was a baseball player in high school who died in a car crash. So, you know, to end my mission doing that with him was really just this beautiful cap on it. I think because you know, that same weekend, I also met the reporter who had covered his story, who also lives in St. Louis. Um, I I discovered the story because I work for People Magazine as a copy editor. That's where they wrote it. And he himself lost his husband in um, May. Mm -hmm. And he was considering starting a, a, I guess, for lack of a better term for it, I don't really know what it's called yet, but he was starting a a grief mission of his own to honor his husband. Um, He said one night he woke up and he'd had this dream where he thought, oh, there's all these cities in the country named Nelson and his husband was named Nelson. So now he's going to go visit every Nelson. Oh, wow. And, and just, he just meets these incredible people and like, you know, he, he still had their anniversary trip planned because their anniversary was new year's Eve. And he's like, I don't know if I have the heart to go. And I was like, you have to go, you have to go on that trip because he's going to be there with you. You're not going to be alone. And I mean that he did go, it was amazing. Like, miraculous thing, things happened while he was there that, I mean, I'm not going to get into all of them, but the fact that I could have been part of that and he's texting me and telling me about them and then called me about it. And this is a person I just met. Right. So, and we felt like fast friends. We felt like we just had this connection. The fact that any of that is happening for me makes me feel like maybe I do have more than an answer than I thought I did to what's next. When people ask me, what are you doing next after this? Because maybe what I've done doesn't just live in a book. Maybe it lives in me. Maybe it, it, um, I'm, you know, connecting with people in a new way and and in a way that my experiences are going to help them just by knowing me, you know, and maybe my reactions to them might be, um, conducive to healing and, and conducive to taking action to, to really feeling like you're alive and really living your life. And that's got like, what a gift, right? 
Yeah. I think that's so, there's something so beautiful about that because it's this idea of maybe, maybe the thing that's next isn't really a thing at all. Maybe it's, it's the relationships that I've made and being just a, inspiration is a one word that comes to mind. I can't think of another one right now, but that you're, you're helping people kind of understand, like they have something to give as well. Like, yes, I did this. Yes. I was, I, you know, I had the opportunity to do these things, but you have the opportunity to do so many amazing things and you can be that light for someone else as well. And having stories like yours or, or maybe even like mine where people are like, wait a second, like if they can do this, like maybe I can dream these big dreams and maybe I can do these things because I'm not actually being held. The only thing that's holding me back is myself. Yeah, I think that and the the element of that that's the most fulfilling to me is to be to be able to become a light to shine on people who are grieving that uh you know that the notion that um the person is gone forever mm-hmm. and this is the work this is what you need to sit in for you know if not the rest of your life at least for a very long time I don't really buy into that idea anymore um, just because I did that for 13 years. And when I started doing this project, um, you know, as soon as I started doing it, just, I started seeing my father everywhere. He started communicating with me through what I was doing and, and for me to recognize, Oh, it, all it took was this mindset shift. Mm-hmm. All it took was this sense of purpose and connection with his legacy for me to move past the feelings of sadness and uh, quite honestly, anger and resentment um, and and a feeling like, why did this happen to me and my family? It That's all it took for me to move past those things and get into appreciation and get into focusing on the abundance. Um, I told someone the other day, <laughs> it was, I did an interview and I, I sent this text after, which is so typical me, right? Because I'm like, oh, wait, what about this part? <laughs> and <laughs> like all this, infer- she's like, I can't believe you just typed so many words. Um, <laughs> And it was just like, I just wanted you to know that, you know, after my father died, I started seeing the number eight or 88 everywhere, just repeating. And I, at one point I was like, God, this is making me feel crazy. Why do I keep seeing this number? And he died on August 8th. And at some point I said, okay, I guess this is just you saying, hi, sure. Let's just say that. So every time I would see it from that point forward, and this is going on like 10 years or so, I was just seeing this number. Like, okay, that's him. And, but really, you know, who knows what it was? I, it, maybe it was him. Maybe it was my brain needing that connection at that particular moment. We don't really know. Right. Um, but when I started doing the list that changed because instead I started seeing the number 54, like it was, a, it just kept showing up in list. Like there are 54 list items. He died when he was 54. Um, I went to a Rose Bowl game as a list item, the final score was 54, which I had prayed at halftime, please make the final score what he, the age he was when he died. And it was, um, the Super Bowl I went to was Super Bowl 54. And when I was there, I noticed, oh, 54 in Roman numerals is live L I V. (laughs) And it's like, wait a minute, 54, like that's, that's celebrating the numbers, the number of years he lived. That's celebrating the number of dreams he had left when he died. What a, what a major shift, right? Like what a shift in mindset. What if instead of continuing to focus on this date where his death happened, where his life ended, I could choose to be grateful for the time I got to have with him. That's good. So it is, it is interesting how we see those, 
how when we can have that mind shift change, how things then the same things can just look different, right? I mean, that's the idea of changing your mindset of you're looking at the same thing, but you're looking at it through almost two different lenses and how you perceive those then shows how you show up into the world. I, I, I was trying to write the 54 in my head and I was like, Oh, what is that live? So when you, when you think about that, of this idea of focusing on, on the day that he died compared to the life that he had and the things that he wanted to continue to be able to do, it's, it is a really cool perspectives switch. And, and to me, that gives me kind of motivation, especially just through the grief that I'm dealing with right now. Mm-hmm to, to really think about those, those moments and figuring out, all right, how do we, how do we shift it in a way to, we've been making the joke, I think I made it on the podcast too, of like Bella's pooped more States than people have been in their entire lifetime. And it's like, you're like, you're like, if you, if you think about it there, it's like, okay, how great of, of an experience it was not only for her, but then also what she had provided to us in that, that idea where you can just shift that perspective. And I think so many people whether it's something like this uh, with grief or even just the day to day, they can focus so much on one, one aspect of it through a lens of maybe negativity or judgment or what have you. And then they're, they're kind of missing the, the full picture because they're so narrow focused on this saying, Hey, like, let's just, let's just think about it through a different lens. The situation has not changed, but seeing it through that other lens just can sometimes just make it better. Yeah. And well, it's, and also it's not just a mind thing, right? It's a heart thing mm. too. I mean, that that's what grief goes to. It's love. It's love that it needs expression. And through doing my project, I got to have that expression. And I think that that was what it was. That was what freed me of it. So it was so much more than just in my head, but I think that's when you're doing something that affects your heart, it starts changing what you see, mm-hmm. what your brain processes. I mean, I started seeing hearts every day when I was doing the list. I, I still do. Um, but it, every time I would, I just felt like, okay, there's a breadcrumb, there's a breadcrumb, you know, I'm, I'm on the right path because there are elements of the journey that felt so uncertain and almost felt crazy to me sometimes. Like, am I, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And at any time I would be thinking that I would end up seeing that mm-hmm. and I would know, no, I'm being motivated by love right now. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and there's nothing else more important in life to be motivated by than that. Um, so, I mean, obviously it was um, a gift to me in my life in so many ways, it's just, it's not, I'm never going to live the same way again. Um, but it's, it's interesting. You were talking about, um, I, I listened to the podcast you did last week and you were talking about time and how we experience time. And, and one of the things that struck me while I was listening to it was, I don't think maybe I'm wrong about this. It's just an idea. I don't think when somebody passes away who we're close to, I don't think what we're missing is more time with them because we don't know what that would have been. We don't know what that is. Like people will say things sometimes like, oh, she never got to have her dad at her wedding or, you know, she never got to have him for these momentous occasions of her life. To, to be real, what I would have wanted probably was just a lunch with him, <laughs> you know, like not even because that's because my dad was famous for saying one of his favorite things to say was life is lived in the little moments. And I think that's true. Wouldn't have had to have been a momentous thing. Um, but I don't think that that's what we're missing because we don't really know. We don't know what that could have been. Um, my brother always says, dad's kind of like John Lennon. <laughs> like we don't, we don't know what that beetle would have produced. Um, I think what we're missing is 
the moments we did have. I think it's, we want those to be eternal. And I think in a way, if you think about it like that, it almost answers your question of our experience of time because I mean, nobody wants to live forever either. Like we don't want to all be vampires here. Like we do. And you said the only thing you can be sure of in life is that you are one day going to die. And yeah, that's true. But the other thing you can be sure of is that life is always going to change. And I mean, I think I read somewhere once, I wish I could remember who said this, but I read somewhere once, what's the only prayer God doesn't answer? Please no more change. Yeah. That's it. Because you, you can be sure of change and you can be sure of God's love. I think those are the two things you can be sure of in addition to the fact that you're going to die someday. (laughs) Um, And I think the, the best way that I have found that you can have the experience of making time last longer you know, it isn't necessarily, oh, I want to have this feeling of being young forever, or I think I have all the time in the world, or even like, oh, I want to have a sense of purpose, like maybe later in life. Like, I think it's not so much the legacy you're going to leave behind and feeling, oh, I'm so fulfilled because people are going to remember me for this. Like, you know, maybe that's true with my book. I don't know. Or maybe it's now true for my dad with his list. Like, I'm not And I'm surprised by this because I thought at the end of doing it, I would be thinking about those things. And I'm not actually thinking that way at all. Instead, I'm just more feeling very grateful for having had this opportunity to see what it feels like to really be alive. Mm. Because that's what this has felt like for me. Because I never really looked at it as this massive list of 54 things. Instead, it was 54 fun adventures. And each one would take so much out of me and and attention and focus that instead it was like, I get to be a kid again, 54 times, you know, (laughs) I'm learning about skydiving. I'm learning about sailing. I'm learning about surfing, like, you know, go down the list of all these crazy things, like new, not only just things that that were cool and fun, but new. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the sports things, quite honestly, were all new to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've never, I mean, I like sports. I play sports, but I was never like a huge sports fan. Um, And I got to learn about American history. Like, of course, you know, I'm a nerd, so I'm going to learn those parts of it. Um, But I do think, you know, I think Joseph Campbell was the one who used to talk about how we don't want infinity. We want eternity. Mm. And what does eternity mean? Eternity means time doesn't exist. Eternity, like eternity is when you're living in that moment. Because, you know, time is a human invention. We're not going to escape it. But if we want to have the experience of the divine that exists inside of us, it's going to come in these moments of connection with someone else, or it's going to come in these moments of just, you're so in love with what you're doing. Yeah. And that's the best we can hope for. I really think that whether it's a person or an activity that you're passionate about. Yeah, that's so true. I think that that time aspect, it is an interesting it, the whole concept itself is just interesting because I agree. You say we, you know, they always say, <clears throat> I wish we had more time or if we had more time. And like you said, we don't know what that time could have been. That time could have been good. The time could have been miserable. You know, we had to make the hard decision mm-hmm. specifically with Bella, but it, it was one of those like, okay, how much time do you give it before like someone's possibly suffering or, or, or something like that? Right. And if you think about it in those terms, but the other terms, it's like, it's again, it's, it's that reframing and understanding to be too grateful for the time that we did have and using that as, as a, a push through of like, I'm a better person now because of these things. If we take it from a non grief standpoint and in, in my journey and your journey, the, the way we've grown just as people, 
you know, five years ago, there's no way you'd have me talking to strangers on the internet on a podcast. Like it just wasn't a thing. Like I'm not reaching out to people. Really? Yeah. Like this oh. is, this is like completely out of my norm of reaching out, trying to do these things. But in this process, I was like, I, you know, I wanted to get into to management and to leadership in, in my day to day. And I was like, all right, how do I need to do that? I need to be better about speaking and talking to people and actually active listening and being able to, to have conversations with people, some that I agree with, some maybe that I don't. And how do we, how do we have those conversations? So I was like, Hey, what's the best way to do that? Let's just start a podcast and talk to strangers. And, yeah. and from that, it's allowed me to, to meet amazing people, hear amazing stories like yours. And then also selfishly, it's so I can learn more about people and I can learn more of how I show up in the world and, and how I interact with other people. So it's allowed me to kind of, I want to say, to, to learn more about myself and how I interact in order to make sure I'm coming across the way that I perceive myself and then growing in that, knowing that like the person I was five years ago is not the person I am today. And, and I'm, I'm glad for that. I'm so glad that I'm not that person anymore because I've grown in so many ways and realized so many different things that maybe were holding me back or maybe things that I was telling myself, you know, insecurities and these kinds of things that were, that were really holding myself back. No one else was, was pulling me back from here. It was me just saying, nope, you have to sit in this chair. This is what you do. And then quickly realizing like, wait a second, who, who's making that rule? Like, why, why, why can't I do that? Why can't I step out on that extra, extra piece? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're a man after my dad's own heart. Like, I think we've talked about this before. You, I think, question what the rules are. Like, you know, it seems to me that that's kind of your, your MO with your life. And that's very, very hard for people to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of behavioral change like that can come down to that. Like, why why do I believe what I do? Um, you know, there's just, there's so many misconceptions about things until we actually try them. Um, and it's like, it's, it becomes such a barrier, you know, it's, <laughs> this is going to sound really silly, but, but, um, you know, when I saw my brother over the weekend, he was talking about the real, real world reunions that are on Paramount. <laughs> which that's so my generation and, and, the, you know, he and I watched those together. Um, and so of course I had to go check it out and I had already seen the New York one, but we hadn't seen new Orleans and I was watching it over the weekend with my husband. Um, and as I'm watching this thing, I'm noticing, okay, these people are all around like 40. That's about the age range where they are 40, 42. And it's so fascinating to me how how different and like the differing levels of maturity. And that's of course, if even if what we're seeing is even truly them, I'm sure there's some manufactured drama going on, but how like, let's, let's assume that it is. They have such differing levels of emotional maturity at that age. And for some of them, they've been living these lives that are open to adventure and, and they're very just like, you know, if, if there's an interaction or some kind of conflict that happens with their old roommates who they're now back with, which, in you know, that's a weird thing in itself after 20 years, they can talk it out and they can process it and they can handle it. And then there's those who are, it's, it's pretty evident that they have this set, whether it's a faith or a religion or, you know, just for, as an, as an example, it could be anything um, like a set of beliefs that sometimes can be somewhat limiting. And it's like, they're, 
they're in this experience on TV, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, for better or worse, where their minds are being blown. Like someone is presenting them with new information. It's like, oh, I never looked at it this way before. And I'm sitting there thinking like, wow, they're like 40 years old. I can't believe that that's still happening, but, it, but, but that is still happening. I mean, you know, I know you're a little bit younger than me, but um, I think you get to a certain age where either what you've been doing is, is working great. So great. Keep doing it. Or it's just not, um, and you're not satisfied and, and the things that should make you fulfilled aren't making you fulfilled and you just have to shift it. Um, I just think it's so interesting how that can become such a crisis at that age. I mean, like the midlife crisis is real. Like it's a real thing that's happening to people. Um, and I think it's really fascinating how so often the reason it's a crisis is because I think sometimes we just adopt these beliefs that aren't true to us at all, but it's what just, it's just all we've been shown. And I think it's just the hardest thing to just radically shift what that's going to be for you in your life. Yeah, for sure. In, in regards to like the midlife crisis thing, I think that is a, it's an interesting topic because usually you hear that with, you know, the 56 year old just buying a Corvette and, and kind <laughs> of just like, I didn't get to live this life. So I'm, I'm going this route. But I think to your point, it can also be a little bit of the, I didn't know that, or what do you mean? I could do things a different way. And just that weird I don't say weird. The, the thinking that you have of my way has always been the right way. No one has ever told me anything different. And now as I'm getting to be an adult or leading people or changing careers, you know, for the third time, fourth time, fifth time, you, you start to realize like, wait a second, I, I could do things differently and, and I still can do things differently when people realize that uh, they aren't stuck. So I think a lot of people, they'll, you know, they'll graduate from high school, they'll go to college, they graduate from high school and like this or college and this is my thing. This is the thing I'm doing and that's it. This is the only thing I can do. But this, this recent generation at least is starting to really question all of that. Just the norms of, <clears throat> do I need college? Do I need to go this route? And then their parents and the older generations are going, wait a second, I, gu I guess you don't. And then they're starting to rethink, oh, wait, why, why aren't we doing things maybe a different way? So it's a little different spin on, on the midlife crisis. And I think, again, you said, you know, some of it could be manufactured in these reunion shows, but it's, these are, <laughs> these are, are grown ass adults that are literally figuring out life on live TV, live TV. And it, it's, it's very interesting. Just like they did in their twenties. Exactly. And some of them are facing exactly the same issues that they did then. They, they still have not progressed on them. Right. And, and I thought, oh, this is so how it is. Right. They don't realize that they are the same issues. Like underlying, it's the same things they're dealing with. They just mm -hmm. didn't realize them to be that, I guess is the way of saying it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if someone said once, uh, I, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to put this in a very eloquent way, but just that the idea, there's the idea that you face the same obstacle over and over and over and over again until you finally get it because that's a lesson that's meant for you, you know? Um, and some things take a whole lifetime to get, to figure out, like it'll whisper and then it's going to fall on you like a brick. Um, I, I think it's, um, I think it's just the thing that really interests me is people get to a certain age and suddenly 
the thing they might've learned in their twenties much more quickly is actually painful to learn. It just becomes really hard. And it's because they have started to learn to value comfort Mm -hmm. and to value their way of doing things almost as though, um, almost as though the choices they've made in their lives are going to be fulfilling in and of themselves purely because they provide a sense of security or longevity in whatever it is that they happen to be doing. And I think in a way, yeah, there's value in that too, of course, but it can become a limitation um, because you just sort of forget what that is to have those novel experiences that you had when you were a child. Um, And, you know, when you were talking about time last week on that episode, you mentioned what it's like for children. And I I kept thinking, yeah, children really don't have a concept of time at all because they're just always playing and everything is new and every day is an adventure. And that's why being a kid is really freaking hard. (laughs) It's really scary and difficult. And you're always the fool. You're always going to be making mistakes. And I think sometimes as, you know, adults at at midlife or approaching midlife, we've reached a point where we think we're expected to have mastery um, Mm -hmm. of so many things. And we pressure ourselves, I think, to have that or to appear as though we have that. So it's actually harder than, let's say I'm five years old and I'm in a sandbox figuring out I can't eat sand, you know, just Mm -hmm. as an example, (laughs) because I have to let go of my ego. I have to let go of my public perception. And, you know, that's one thing that this project with my dad's bucket list really you know, the, um, the, the subtitle of my book is how living my dad's dream set me free. And that's one of the ways that it really did that because I was joking yesterday, I have an interview online right now with inside edition and they, at the last minute, they're like, Oh, can we use your singing voice for, for the interview? <laughs> Cause the last list item I did was to have five songs recorded. I was like, well, I don't have it paired with the instrumentals yet. It might sound weird. They're like, that's okay. So I, I watched the interview and I'm like, Oh my God, I am singing on TV. And it, it was like, okay, that's scary. It's nerve wracking. But at the same time, what else is there? Like what other scary things do I have to do? And now I'm so it's become a reflex for me that I'm going to be doing scary things that are potentially publicly humiliating. And it's like, oh, well, that's part of it. Um, I think it's just if you if you get into this um, this way of living where that's a bad thing, um, showing your your potential foolishness or, or um, mistakes or, you know, vulnerabilities is a bad thing. That's that's when you start to feel really stuck. Yeah. Like you said, the idea of people valuing comfort and, and we get to a point where like, Hey, this is comfortable. I can keep doing this and I can just live out these days in this way. And we never take those extra steps or or step out into a little bit of unknown or a little bit of discomfort to be like, what, what does this feel like? It may, it may not be for you. You may have done it and been like, Nope, I don't like this, but, but now, you know, it's not, it's something where you can be like, I took the chance. I did the, I did the thing. And now I'm here, you know, on this side of it with more information than I had on the other side of it. And I think there's something about being an active participant in those things that then allows us to really in, in, um, kind of be engulfed in the whole situation, right? We can read a book, we can read an article about something, but until we actually do it, we're not going to know what that experience is. I read a ton of books about running and running marathons and ultra marathons, and I still 
fell flat on my ass in my first race and didn't was not anywhere prepared that I should have been because like oh wait this isn't this isn't just easy like I have to put in a little more work it's not just about knowing the things it's also about doing them yeah it's really funny that that's what where you went because I was totally just sitting here thinking oh you get it because you're a marathoner <laughs> Um, I think either there's a reason so many people after they hit 40, all of a sudden are interested in running or interested in pursuing these endurance sports that, you know, it doesn't take much to run. You just put on some shoes and you go out there and you do it. It's not like you have to join a gym or there's not a lot of, you know, there's no, there aren't any sporting goods <laughs> that you need to do this. Don't tell my um, wife that though. I spent a lot of money on things. There's a lot oh, of things. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's when it, that's when it, but that's when it becomes your thing. Like that's when it becomes something different just to start though. Usually yeah. you can just, you probably already have sneakers you can use. Um, and I think it's a gateway. I think it, um, you know, we might start doing it for a variety of reasons. May have my friends doing this, this looks like it could be fun. I want to get back in shape. You know, it's new year's, whatever, whatever that reason might be. But if it's something that you start pursuing as part of your life, regularly, you get used to that discomfort and you get, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir right now, but um, you get used to pain, but more than that, you get used to your body moving and feeling that aliveness in, in yourself and feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm part of something right now. I've committed to this race. So now I'm committing to myself. Now, suddenly I value my time and I value my opinions and my decisions because I have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and it is also like you were just saying, it's, it's really an exercise of being an idiot over and over and over again. I mean, I, I started doing half Ironman races when I got towards the end of the list. A part of that was because I got injured doing a list item. And I thought I started realizing, I don't know if I can do a marathon anymore. Like my, I realized I was kind of tapping out after 13 miles because my foot, even though it's fixed, it still gets a little sore. And if I were going to train for a marathon, it would take much longer for me than it used to. Um, So I thought, well, you know, half Ironman only has 13 miles that you have to run at the end. So you never mind, like, you know, the 54 miles. I I wasn't going to say all the things that have to happen before you even get to that. Yeah. (laughs) My brain goes to like, Oh, only part of it's running. (laughs) I can do swimming and cycling easy. No, it's not that easy. (laughs) Like, I had to learn how to swim. I had to learn how to ride a bike. And uh, I had the two, I mean, I've been successful with the sprint triathlons I've done. I've done seven of the, those races now. Um, and that also includes two Olympic tries. Those have been great. For some reason, every time I get to that half Ironman, something goes wrong. There's just so many variables that could happen in that day you have to think about. And the first one I did, I was in Florida and it was supposed to be like 90 degree, or sorry, let me take that back. It was supposed to be 70 degrees. I ended up being in the 90s in December. Very unexpected for that area. And I couldn't handle it. Um, I didn't plan for that. Um, I, I was taken off the cor- the bike course at mile 42. So I, I, you know, it's more than half the race and it was very disappointing. But at the same time, I was excited that I had even tried it. I was excited that I'd even ventured to do this. I could have just sat in that place of, oh, people donated money to girls on the run so I could do this so they could see me finish. And now I look like an idiot. Like, what was I thinking that I could do this? I could have stayed there, but I didn't because I had so many people saying to me, Oh, you tried this amazing thing. You did a great job, you know, congrats. And I realized, Oh, that's what it's actually about when you, when you try these things. And the second one I did, um, I kind of got pulled away with a current 
in the swim, um, which was in a bay and that's near the Atlantic ocean. And it didn't occur to me like, Oh, there might be rough waters because there was just a hurricane. Um, so I just swam totally off course. And by the end I was doing like twice the distance I was supposed to do, but you know, that's why that one ended for me because they kicked me out because I was one minute over my time. Cause that's the thing. You have a time limit for right. each of them. Um, and I wasn't even upset about it. Cause I'm like, Holy crap. I finished that swim. That's great. And, and I think, you know, as I'm saying this, what's occurring to me is I think what that really speaks to, and you, maybe this is a thing that you learn when you start pursuing athletic endeavors, you're always running your own race. Um, you have to be doing that in life too. I think, um, that day, my accomplishment and my race was I need to finish the swim. Like once it occurred to me how far of course I was, the way my brain was working was you're not letting them pull you out of this water. You need to get, get to that dock on your own, even though you don't even know if you can, like I'd never swum that far before in my life. So to me, that was the accomplishment that day. And you know, later my friend, it turned out, um, who was doing the race with me, she got sick on the bike course and she had to go to the ER and, and I mean, she was fine, but then later she had to wait a long time to get her clothes back. And my husband and I just kind of stuck around while she was doing that, you know, like that was the right thing to do. And later she told me, I mean, I have, of course I had turned this pursuit into a list item. <laughs> it was own a $200 suit because tri suits cost about $200. <laughs> And later she told me, you know, don't think that just because you haven't finished this half Ironman distance yet, that you haven't owned that $200 suit. She's like, you totally have because you, you showed so much grace when you lost and you were there supporting me, even though you were probably tired, you know, even though you probably wanted to go home. And that really touched me because here I'd been trying so hard to be this great athlete and push myself and all the things that we do, you know, and the hours when you're doing a half hour mind, you're putting five hours or no, sorry, not. Yeah. About was it? No, 10 hours, 10 hours a week, five days a week. That's what I was putting in. It's a big commitment, mm-hmm. but to hear in the end, Oh, I think you owned that suit because you were a good person because you were a good friend because you didn't make it about you. That was like, that was just so fulfilling and moving to me that I had done it my way, you know, and that, and that she thought that was unusual. Yeah, I think. It's, I mean, I don't think we can do better than that. Right, and I think it's it is an interesting thing, especially in the endurance sports, and when you get into those larger distances, the the, the half Ironmans, Ironmans, even ultra marathons, any of that stuff, how you quickly realize it becomes less about for for us non elites that aren't going to win the races. Yeah, <laughs> it is not our career. <laughs> uh, for us it becomes one of those where it's a lot bigger than the race. It's like, what does this race represent? It represents discipline in training. It represents community because you really can't do it by yourself. Even if it's just your spouse supporting you to, to be able to do these things, the amount of time that you have to spend doing it, or, you know, if you have a group that you work with or that is doing races with you, I think all of this really speaks to like, I really do think these people that do these types of endurance sports really are kind of like the best humans because we realize there's a lot of things that we have to sacrifice to do the training to to prepare for these things. But then we realize it because we have compassion for it, where I, one of my favorite things to do is to cheer people on at races, even during races, like way to go. You got this, you know, what can I do for you? Anything I can help like in 
And you, you get that because you know what it's like to be in the suck. <laughs> you know what it's like to be yeah. not feeling or not having your best race because there's are so many variables that can happen over that time. And, and really I, I attribute a lot of, a lot of the change probably in my last five, six years to those experiences that I've had running, you know, I'm at, I think this year will be 12 years since I ran my first marathon in May will be 12 years. And in that time, I think I've done, I think it's like 53 or 54 marathon or longer. So like I've been able to be a part of so many different avenues of running and met so many people along the way that, you know, maybe my little bit of inspiration helped someone. The, the couple races that I finished that it was slower than I wanted to, but you know what? I found someone that needed help and I ran with them the rest of the race. And that those races are the ones that I remember more than the race that I busted my ass and, and went as hard as I could and, you know, almost got a PR and had you know really good time. Really like those races are great. They have their own place, but the idea of building others up and how this one activity has opened me up to so many things. The podcast, Hangry in general, raising money, you know, for those living with the issue of hunger. All of these things stemmed because I decided I was just going to start running. All of these relationships that I have, all of the places that I've been able to travel around the world have started because of me just taking literally a step. And I think it's this idea mm-hmm. of whatever we're doing, it doesn't have to be endurance for you, uh, whoever's listening. It's, it's this idea of, Whatever you're going to do, do it with purpose and take that step because you don't realize the impact that you'll make is going to be much larger than the actual activity that you're doing. Well, and it could just be a matter of, uh, you know, maybe running is not for me. Um, I'm going to go outside for 30 minutes every day. Um, You know, and that's, I say just, like there's no just to that. Um, Going outside every day is really important. Being out in nature is really that's part of, I think, the modern condition is that we've become disconnected from what we are. I mean, we, that's why we get so replenished when we're out in nature, because we're, we're seeing things that are really us. It's, it's uh, the, the divine energy that exists in everything. Uh, I sound like Yoda. Of course, it's in everything. Um, but I think what we're talking about is if it, but if you are pursuing something that's, that's like that, regardless of that experience of, of oneness and connection you get when you're in nature, regardless what you're, if what, what you're talking about is the experience you get when you're, you know, I just finished my first five miles. Um, that's a, a sense of the eternal that we were talking about before. Yeah. It's a sense of I'm totally alive right now. I forgot about my worries. I'm just here. I'm just living. And, you know, what, what I've learned with my project and I think something that can really help people um, who are at a place in their lives where it's like, well, what I've been doing isn't working. I need to do something different. It's just that you can carve that out for yourself. You, you know, yes, we're all existing in a reality that we all share, but we're also existing in our own time, in our own reality. And, you know, I had lots of stress and worries over the past couple of years about, is it okay that I'm devoting this time to, you know, now I need to take a two week trip to Vienna and, um, you know, that I'm going to go climb a mountain with my cousin and I'm not living the most practical life right now. Like, is that okay? Do I have permission? It's like, hell yes, I have permission because I mean, if you have, you have support, you know, support people who love you, who are helping you to do these things, who understand you need to do it to grow. I mean, my, my husband is like the most understanding person on the planet and he knew I needed to have these experiences. It's so important to have that thing. That's just yours. 
I think, you know, I'm sure people are, who are listening to this right now who have kids are just like, what is she talking about? <laughs> um, you know, like, like really, like, I'm, I'm, you know, a chauffeur and, and, and a cook and that's my life, my day-to-day life. And, and, you know, I, I understand that that is true for a lot of people's existence, but even, even just a little bit of time in your day where you feel like your life is still yours, I think is really valuable for that reason. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, Laura, we could probably talk for days. I know we talked about right before recording. We're like, we go six hours if we need to. And we're like, but we can't. Uh, and it's just, it's just <laughs> like another it reason to have you back <laughs> on the show to make sure I stay number one on the podcast charts Yeah, <laughs> having you. But I, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time today to, to kind of talk through this. Uh, I know we didn't talk too much about the, the book itself, but they'll be able to connect with you um, to learn more about it, obviously pre-order and all the things, but is there anything else that you wanted to kind of get out uh, before we wrap up? Oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that this is a book that's going to help people with grief. Um, my, my hope is that I'm expressing things in it that, that people need to hear because they're feeling it, but they don't totally know how to say it. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's still a big dilemma in our society. I think we don't really know how to talk about it. it it's a very vulnerable feeling for me that I did that, but I think it was worth it because I think it might have that effect. So yeah, if that's something that you're going through in your life, um, I hope that you can own it and process it and have those emotions. And maybe you might be interested in buying this book because it might give you at least like a, a step towards doing that. Yeah. Love that. And we'll have you, we'll have you on after the book comes out. Cause I, like I said, I've already pre-ordered my copy. I'm ready to read it. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk again, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I love talking with you again. Perfect. Thank you so much for of having course, me. Of course. Uh, everyone else, you can reach out to me on social media everywhere at flores.run. Subscribe, leave a review for the podcast. That's how we uh, we keep going up so people can hear great stories and learn learn some cool stuff. Check out Hangry Gear. We are hangry.com. Uh, remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time. See you next week.